Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. So welcome so much to the Social Justice League. We're still, I think we need to like come up with an official name. I don't know exactly what to call us, but um, my intention is I feel like social justice work and anti-racism work and anything that basically like crushes the patriarchy is such a big part of this divine feminine revolution that we're all in. It's why I created the Fearless Feminine Revolution Group and Academy. And I just really feel like anything that promotes equality and safety and healing and diversity inclusion is is so, so important. So I'm going to, I guess I'll start with an intro. I mean, I think you all know me, but I'm Dr. Megan Monday. My background is a psychologist. Um, I've been helping women heal um, from trauma for the past 10 or 15 years. A big part of my um, academic work was around rape prevention. I was a victim advocate. So I've been working for women's rights for a long time. But I will say that it was more from the lens of my white bubble here in the South. And so while I did get some multicultural and social justice training in my education in the PhD program, um, it's not enough because I think, as we know with intersectionality, the more minority identities we have, um, the more likely we are to experience oppression, racism, violence, poverty, you know, all of the things. And so it's really important not only to lift up women, but to lift up everybody who's hurting as a result of the systemic racism and white supremacy. So I'm just starting a conversation um, about this, and I would like to kind of introduce the panel. So um, who wants to go first? Just unmute yourself and jump on. So hi, everybody. I'm Berhenda Williams, and I'm so grateful to be here with this community um, and having this conversation. And um, my background, so I'm a visionary empath coach. So I work with empathic women who want to use their empathic gifts in service to humanity to create a cultural shift. And that would be um, inclusive of, you know, diving deep into uh, social justice and, and equity work. And I love this um, panel, just the diversity of this panel. When we talk about feminism, um, there's a wound that I want to heal between um, white feminism and the womanist movement. And if you're not familiar with the womanist movement, it was coined by Alice Walker in the 1980s to include um, Black women, and it's gone on to include Indigenous women and uh, Latina women as well, uh, because of the wound that happened during the suffrage um, march, where it didn't include Black women. It didn't include um, poor white women either. So it was very much classist mm -hmm. and elitist. Um, 
in it and its movement and it's hurt. And we're still seeing the fallout of that now. And I am a devotee to Audre Lorde, who said that um, any woman who is in shackles, even if they're different than my own, none of us are free. So I really do take that to heart, that in our liberation work that we're moving toward, um, it has to be intersectional, it has to be inclusive. And yes, around the succession of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and um, George Floyd, and here locally, you all may have heard the case of Grace, who was put into a detention center because she didn't complete her homework. Grace is an African-American girl, 15 years old with special needs. She um, has ADHD and in the middle of a freaking pandemic for crying out loud. And um, so been, she's been violated in a number of different ways. And quite honestly, that violation is because she's a black girl and I'm over. <laughs> I think many of us are just at, at a, a threshold and as an empath, you all know that your nervous system can only take so much. And I want us as conscious healers as I want to say, is it Aaliyah or late? Am I saying your name correctly? Pointed out in our green room conversation about the shadow, racism is a collective shadow that we all have to go into and really sit with the conversations that we may have heard, the things that we have internalized, the opinions and, you know, not judge it, but do better. So instead of saying, I'm sorry, commit to, I'll do better. So that's just my, my... <laughs> My two cent introduction. Yeah. I so honor you for the work that you're doing. We've already done some fundraising for your programs. And I got to say, it's brought so much joy to my heart to like put my dollars into helping um, all the incredible like soul based missions that you're doing. And so I definitely just feel so honored that you reached out to me and that, that you're a part of this. Who wants to go next? I know that's tough to follow. <laughs> I guess I will, I will go. Um, hello, my name is Aliyah Kilas and I am a spiritual life coach and a shadow work practitioner, a med meditation teacher, energy healer. And um, before we hopped on here, I was just talking about um, how when I entered into this industry and into the spiritual, um, spiritual coaching, um, I had very, very different views of how I wanted everything for my business to, to evolve and how I wanted to help people and how I wanted to show up. And um, I had been practicing shadow work for the last four years. And I had started to notice and see that there were so many incongruencies with the spiritual uh, industry. And I, I wanted to help bring about change that's not business as usual you know like and and show the possibilities of you know us really going deep into these things that we have in on what i was talking about is the uncollective consciousness which is this collective of this um this shame and this guilt and this anger because here in the western culture we hide and bury all of those things. And that's why so many people have shame and guilt and especially white people, because it's an it's a collective unconscious of 
not wanting to deal with those things. And that's why a lot of them project their own insecurities onto people of color because they're shame, they're shameful, you know, and they feel that shame. And so they look the other way or they hide their face. And that's what you do when you are, when you are full of shame. And I wanted to bring a different kind of awareness because I was seeing in the, in the industry that a lot of these spiritual coaches and these people teaching manifestation and all of these different things are, they're beautiful, but a lot of it is, um, there's so much more that goes with these spiritual principles and we're just, it's just this base surface level type thing and it's not actually helping people. It's making things actually worse. We have to dig deep and we have to, like Berhenda was saying, is we have to sit deep in these things, especially as white people, to really feel these things so that we can bring about the change. Like she was saying, you know, instead of saying, sorry, sorry, this is happening. No, sit with it and say, I'm going to do better. I am bringing about that change. I am doing better. You know, that's my spiel. So <laughs> love it. Couldn't have said it better. And, and I think that um, this is a really important work for, for white people, particularly for white women, because a lot of times we're a little bit more connected with our heart than the white men are. And, you know, they've been handling it for a while and they created the whole system that is not working um, for us. And so it's time for us fearless feminine leaders to step up. So who wants to be the next one to introduce themselves? I'll go, uh, partially because uh, so much of what's been said feeds into the work I do. Um, I'm Anitra again, and I am, I kind of did a quick spiel before, but I, I feel a little more fleshed into in this now moment. Um, I'm an educator, speaker, and healer, uh, Reiki Ho'oponopono. I have a background in massage and body work, um, along with uh, Eastern modalities. I work to integrate um, different approaches to take the uh, being an empath and intuitive, being able to bring the high level teachings to practical application, um, which is a passion of mine. How, how do we take the tools we have and actually use them in different ways? A lot of what I do is I work with leaders in healing their own individual trauma, their childhood wounds, and intergenerational wounds that are usually passed on unknowingly, which ties into so much of this work. Um, because we, we get what we are given, and then if we are not consciously changing it, shifting it, healing it, then we continue to perpetuate it on. Um, through that it allows us to leaders to show up in whatever industry in whatever way in family dynamics all the areas of life able to show up with more authenticity more accountability and take responsibility without that shame and guilt and most importantly without continuing and perpetuating harm even subconsciously i spoke earlier in our little as I love Brandon when you said the green room, how I come from a family of activists. My grandfather was a writer, activist in 
in the Pacific Northwest in the civil rights movement and community building architecture. He was a teacher of sociology and was very active in, in teaching, training, educating about these things. My parents were very active in supporting uh, the city busing program here in the greater Seattle area, which unfortunately is no longer a thing. Quite a few years back, they decided to dismantle that. So being an activist, be, speaking up for those who do not have a voice, even if we ourselves do not hold that identity, is very, very important. Um, because a lot of times when we speak for those, even if we don't fall into that group of marginalization, we actually all benefit from that. So, yeah. Beautiful introduction. I'm so honored that you're carrying on that legacy of activism and you have really been so powerful in, you know, this discussion. I'm so glad to have you on the panel. Who wants to go next? I guess that maybe that leaves you, Melanie. Okay. Hi, I'm Melanie from New York City. Here, raw, no makeup. I can't believe I'm going live like this, but here I am. I am a native New Yorker and I was uh, born into the yoga tradition because my mom was practicing for about three years before she had me at a time when her guru had uh, established the only yoga studio in New York City before yoga mat and her guru blessed me when I was about two three months old yoga was a huge part of my upbringing and I never thought that I would become a yoga teacher I was a dancer model actress you know, out of high school. And uh, so I went in a completely different direction, but at a certain point in my modeling years, um, I decided to become a yoga teacher. And thank God, uh, it changed my life. And when September 11th happened, I saw the uh, World Trade Center fall down in front of my eyes. And I made a decision in that moment to not continue pursuing acting as I was, but to, because I had been taught through my guru uh, so many valuable things in the yoga tradition, and I knew that I had to carry on his legacy. He had decided in probably the very early 60s to make his life mission to promote world peace. So he went on peace, peace missions around the world to the most hot spots in the world. And I always heard about those missions when I was a little baby, little girl, etc. And there I was watching the World Trade Center fall down in front of my eyes. And why wasn't I a warrior for peace, for change, and for unity in diversity, uh, which was what my teacher's, um, one of his mottos, you know, one of his sayings. And... Um, since then, I have continued my studies in many different um, traditions, spiritual traditions, indigenous traditions, indigenous healing. I am an ordained interfaith minister. I have a PhD in comparative religion and divinity, and I counsel people. And my mission is to be a bridge between people to help heal deep pains, traumas, um, misunderstandings, grief, loss, rage, uh, racism. And I am a New Yorker, so I grew up in a very diverse city, and I feel so blessed for that, that I have friends from every, you know, walk of life and background. 
And they are not just my friends, they are my family. And I want to see the family of the world live in unity and live in peace and to actually live the most um, sacred values uh, and principles of every single tradition, faith tradition, indigenous uh, tradition, which is to love one another, to take care of the planet and take care of each other. So thank you for letting me be here. And uh, I am so excited to be a part of this group and to really have a greater connection with some powerful women because I think women are really the way. And it has been far too long that we were on the, you know, in the back seat, even though we were always driving everything. Now we are taking a more powerful position. And uh, so it's a little scary for me to step forward in some ways, but not, you know, not. It's, it's time. And so, as I said, I'm so happy to be with all of you, with my sisters, and um, find new ways to create change and be the change in the world that we want to see. It's long overdue. Thanks for letting me be here. Beautiful, beautiful introductions. I'm so honored to have you all as a part of this. There's so many amazing healers, so much wisdom, so many activists. Um, I can feel like it just gives me chills. It feels so powerful. Um, I'm just going to kind of do a panel discussion. So I know some of you have kids, maybe you have background noise. If you need to mute yourselves because of that, that's totally fine. But if you want to just keep your microphone on, that's okay too. We can kind of just like have an informal discussion. Um, my first question is, um, you all know that my mission is around like fearless feminine leaders. And I've seen each one of you get more visible, step up. I mean, some of you have been doing this for a long time, but particularly in light of the, the George Floyd murder, we're basically in the second wave of the civil rights movement. How has that personally impacted you? And what has it been like to speak out about these things? For me, um, it has been very powerful. And I have cried a lot and been very enraged a lot and felt uh, sick that I couldn't do more, you know, that I couldn't be out marching every single day at every hour of the day, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, and, and not just marching, of course, but um, because we need more than just showing up physically um, in mass to show our outrage. Uh, so, so my, so there's been like this constant like in my brain gnawing like thinking like how can what can I do you know it's like incessant thought about how can I do more than just march and how can I make an impact and you know sometimes feeling so helpless and hopeless because I want to do more and growing up in diversity as I mentioned I have wanted these changes to happen since I was a wee little girl you know and as have all of my friends and peers and community um, here in New York City and through the stages of my life, you know, teenagehood, young adulthood, later 20s, early 30s, even though I'm 26, you know. So it's just a long time. So that's where the pain came from, that we're still facing that. And um, it's been also uber inspiring to see the masses of people come together around the world that can bring me to tears you know to have this group formed warms me in a way that i cannot 
begin to tell you that's why I jumped in without hesitation, because I feel a hope, you know, that, that we can move things forward and finally make changes that are so long overdue, centuries overdue. And uh, yeah, so I'm hopeful and it's a constant, you know, it's not, it doesn't sleep for very long in my consciousness. Conversations happen with friends, etc. I jump online, I sign a petition, I read a newsletter, I read the news. You know, this morning I read something in the New York Times about global warming and I was outraged. And I, as I was reading it, every sentence I was like, this is white privilege, this is white privilege, this is it. Like, look at the statistics, look at this article. Like, I'm getting enraged just thinking about it. I thought, thought about posting it on my social media, like the whole article, everybody should read it. It's outrageous what's happening in this world, you know, and what we're doing, not only to each other, but to the planet and to other, you know. Anyway, okay, I digress. I will reel it in. <laughs> so I'll just say one thing, as far as social media goes, like I cannot believe that I'm talking right now with no makeup on. Well, that's kind of the vibe we have here. That's part of being a fearless feminine leader. You go. So it is. So, it is. so what I was going to say is that as far as social media, I had never used it until I, at a certain point, traveled to New Zealand to study with my Maori healer family and teachers, mentors, and met people from all over the world. And some of the younger ones were like, you're not on Facebook. And they taught me how to use it. But then I would only use it occasionally to sort of keep in touch with people. And then I reconnected with a um, dance community that I had been a part of in my younger years in New York City. And I started producing events and I was only posting fun, like, you know, happy, cool things, cool things. And very little in my personal life until that happened. And then it was all about that. I wasn't posting things that were deeply meaningful to me or that had social awareness or consciousness. I wasn't even posting about my yoga life and who I am as a healer, nothing. It was nothing about my business life, my authentic being in a way. It was just like fun stuff. And it was a challenge for me to post at first when George Floyd, you know, when the murders started happening one after the other in a short uh, time frame. Then George Floyd happened. It was like, no, I'm posting. Like, I'm not being silent. I don't care. This is so important. It's the most important thing in the world. And it brought me out of my box, you know, or out of my like closet. Yeah. And social media is, I mean, I think it started, like you're saying, kind of like, is this frivolous? I mean, connection is powerful, right? But like, that's more like kind of like entertainment vehicle. But I think yeah. they're really amazing ability to connect the whole world together and to you yeah. you used to have to like get a platform approved and now we all have a platform so I know a lot of you ladies on the panel have been using your platform and <laughs> you've been getting reactions of people loving it people hating it um tell me about that experience one of one of the biggest shifts for me was finally feeling like I could say the things that I've been wanting to say at least for months, like outwardly and longer than that. But like when, when the pandemic really hit and started affecting people, the way in which 
certain disparities, the way in which certain people were reacting, responding, and and it goes to what um, Aaliyah, I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly, okay. was, okay, good, um, was saying about the collective trauma. You know, it's like, I could feel it, I could, you know, so many of us can, so many of us did, and yet it went from the fear and those who aren't, you know, in their own personal journey, let alone helping other people through theirs, who were not fully aware of how the collective is impacting them and how, you know, the, all the different pieces of the stress and the anxiety and the building and the mounting and that and how to navigate through that. So there was a lot of, you know, people really shoved into or or thrown into you know the lower vibration the fear the anxiety the tension the uh, and then what i what i was hoping for was okay let's really start healing then you know let's let's really start having these real conversations about why because now we don't have the distractions that we did before we don't have the sports we don't have the things and 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 part of the lament is we don't have the things and we can totally discuss that but it also you know let's let's discuss the things that actually have been really going on the you know food insecurities the you know wage disparities the housing all the things that while are, are so important and actually feed into all these different systems. And again, with and without marginalized identities are still factors for so many people. Um, and yet we weren't having those conversations. And it was, no, 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 shh, we, we wanna have the happy conversations. We want, no, 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 we're really, not only are we not, we're slowed down, but we're not gonna talk about that. That is no. And it just got, and it went from fear back to control and control dramas and all the things that we just, no, 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 happy, happy. And okay, I'm not so happy, but we're not really gonna talk about the root. And for me in the work that I do, I'm all about what is the root? What, where does that stem from? And then we can start making change and not in a force push change, but allow for healing to begin allow for what needs to come up to actually come up be become aware of it be, you know and start truly addressing it and it just kept not happening and it just kept building even more and for me it was like I want to talk about the things and the things we were not talking about and then the world flipped again or as Deidre Town says you know so, um, the seismic tectonic shifts happened at the end of May with George Floyd and of course Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and all those before coming to light. So those things were still happening. It's just we weren't talking about them in the bigger scale. So for me it was finally like the muzzle came off of no 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 we're going to talk about this stuff and I don't care if it's uncomfortable and I don't it doesn't matter anymore. And with that came a lot of backlash. A lot of that came with a lot of clarity of who is not healthy in my life, who does not hold the same values that I do, and gave me new clarity myself and being able to model it for other people, how to hold our values and boundaries while talking about the real things. But we don't have to do it 
hastily. We don't have to do it mean. We don't have to, but we do have to have clear conversations about things that are uncomfortable. So in the beginning, it was very tumultuous. In the beginning, there was a lot of lack of self-care just because the, we're going to, you know, all the stuff. And then, you know, feeling like, okay, now we can even it out. Bless you, darling. <laughs> and and now go from, okay, we can have the righteous rage and we can also start looking towards what can we do with it? What can we, you know, and, and spaces like this allow for the next steps. Not saying that, you know, being out on the street and, and advocating with all the different ways need to be done. All the different ways we are approaching it from initiatives, from, you know, people, using their votes people you know putting their money in places and also the grassroots informative other ways and new dynamic ways that we haven't thought of before like this group so it's been very helpful thank you beautiful it's you were on my radar before because you've been a great contributor to this collective but i just really saw you step into that fearless feminine archetype as you began to do this work and it was just lovely to see that side of you emerge I'm curious for the other panelists who haven't spoken about this yet. What's the personal impact? What was it like to become, you know, to embody that activism? Yeah, I would say for me, the personal impact is, um, you know, living up to my grandmother's expectation. You know, she came from the South and graduated from uh, Hampton Institute, which is now a university. And at that time, the only choices for for Blacks were either a nurse or teacher, and she decided to become uh, a nurse. And so by way of New York, so Melanie, shout out to all of New Yorkers. <laughs> um, she met my grandfather who was ushered out of Alabama uh, immediately because a white man called him a boy and he corrected him and said he was a man. And the lynchings that we're seeing now, because that's what they are, Ahmaud Arbery was lynched. George Floyd was lynched. Um, unfortunately, that is very much a part of the American fabric. And so watching the videos being passed around created a lot of re-traumatization, I think, for, for Black folk in particular. But I think it also made it our experience finally validated. Because now you can't hide and say, you know, um, all lives matter, even though we still see that moving around the lexicon, or um, what did he do to resist? Well, at a certain point with a knee on someone's neck, I mean, how much resisting can you do? And we watched, you know, him take his last breath and a grown man call out for his mother, I think strikes a chord with people. So what I also have seen though, too, is a lot of performative posts, you know, companies, thought leaders make, you know, maybe pass around a couple of memes, you know, do a couple of posts. And while yes, directly, you know, one can march. I think that that that's important. But what are you doing in your actual business model right into your framework? Is it inclusive? Are you explicitly saying, I'm lending myself toward this movement and this cause and in, in a real authentic way. Am I talking to 
my local legislators, my state representatives, my commissioners, like in my, in my city, what am I doing to that zip code? Because I mean, let's just be honest. We know where the Black neighborhoods are. We know where the Latino neighborhoods are. Uh, for Melanie, I, I guess it's the boroughs um, would be the way you identify it. But we know where they, we know where they are. And then in knowing, what are you doing? So I think that it's a responsibility as I'm seeing, you know, on the various platforms and, you know, people wanting to, I'm, I don't want to judge people. I, I want to believe the best, but in your posts, what is the follow-up action looking like? Where are you actually making the difference? Um, and not just with a, a post, but financially, emotionally, spiritually, a lot of these modalities that we've all stated that we practice would be so healing for marginalized communities. And it's not even so much that you have to lead it, but pairing with organizations that already exist that are, are doing the work to help the work become amplified. I so appreciate you reaching out to me and, and I'm even going to tell on myself, we, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'll maybe complain about Mercury retrograde, but I actually no showed on you twice. And I had to kind of do my own inquiry of like, is this a micro assault? Um, like, I mean, I am forgetful. I do forget appointments, but like twice in a row, like it, it was one of those moments that I think it, some of these things were like initiations of like, um, I must do the work and I'm going to experience my own guilt and do my own self-examination of like, am I posturing or am I really like deeply committed at a soul level to equality for all in this movement? And so I so appreciate your mentorship on this, on your including me. Um, I would say for me, I've invested in a couple of different anti-racism workshops. And what I found is they've all been under $200. I saw um, I think uh, Leticia wrote a post about this, how, you know, black coaches are not charging as much. And I will say that, you know, the experiences I've had with black coaches, especially around the anti-racism work has been some of the most transforming, most empowering, most important work I've ever done. And way more than the thousands of dollars I've spent with white coaches. <laughs> so I think it's so, so important. And I just want to challenge and encourage everyone that we absorb all this racism um, from our, from the patriarchy, from our lived experience, from the conditioning. And so it's in us, it's in all of us, no matter what your identity is. And so I think it's important that we don't think of white supremacy as like the neo-Nazis, you know, like there's white supremacy in the government, in, you know, the foundation of our nation. And so you have been such just a powerful, like, educator for me around this, so, along with others. And I'm just wondering if I'm going to have a follow-up question for you. Can you talk, you work like really like, like you're on the front lines of the social justice. So can you just tell us a little bit about the work that you're already involved with? Because I mean, you're super prolific in this. Yeah. So um, I work directly with black, brown, uh, Muslim girls, and I get choked up about it because the very countries that are selected official says or cause shithole countries those are the countries that my girls come from and in I think it was 20 2018 one of the girls in my program um her father was detained by ICE and unfortunately we couldn't raise enough money 
for his legal fees, he had to go back to Cote d'Ivoire. And uh, the treatment was inhumane. Uh, her mother braids hair, so you can only imagine how much money is actually being brought in. And at one point, um, their lights were turned off. And I called every news outlet I could think of, made posts on Facebook. And um, it still wasn't enough. And I'm one person, you know. And uh, so that's how real, you know, this work is and why I do what I, what I do. So that um, should another incident like this arise, we can have a revenue stream where we can have the lawyers. Because, I mean, of course, ICE is the law. And financially, you know, many of our girls are just getting by, let alone, you know, being able to, you know, pay for the, for the high expensive attorneys that it, that it takes. And it's not just one attorney. They need like a team of attorneys to weed through all the minutia that they throw at you as to why your existence is wrong. Why your very existence is an abomination. So, yeah, I, uh, I do this work and um, appreciate the support that comes from it. But what we need is a heart reset. This, the consciousness of this space that we're in, this country, needs a, a shift. And so legislation can change, but nothing really changes until the heart changes. You're such a beautiful soul. And I mean, just if you follow Brenda Williams, um, she interviews so many uh, prolific Black women who are doing these kind of uh, nonprofit uh, rescue work. Um, she does education. If you're like me, a white coach who wants to do better, and like Melanie was saying, sometimes we feel like guilty or ashamed or sometimes you know, the stuff that isn't aligned with our true values just comes out of our mouth. Um, you know, we can do better and there's beautiful women like Brenda who can show us how to do it. And so, um, we raised some money, um, for your, the, I'm sorry, I'm thinking on the name. What is it? Project girls? The power of girlhood. Yeah. Um, in this group. And, um, that was just the beginning. Um, and so I just like, I so appreciate Brenda being patient with me, reaching out to me, <laughs> meeting with me, um, to, to start this dialogue because I feel like it, it is so important and it is uncomfortable. Um, but it's uncomfortable. It's so much more tragic and uncomfortable and traumatic, um, and sometimes deadly for the people that are living in the direct lines of it. And so, you know, you all are doing the lived experience, the emotional labor of it. And so, um, you know, I think it's important for the people that are privileged that, that have a certain level of safety to, to, to take up this work. Um, and so sometimes I think we feel like we don't have a place for it. And so I think um, it's really important for, I'm going to say white women, because this is a group of women, to step up. Um, but certainly white people to dismantle these systems that we've created that have hurt so hurt and killed so many people. 
Um, so this is the conversation that we want to have. We want to support the local grassroots movements. We want to provide you all resources. We want to like, you know, get all of the, get you connected. So it's an easy win. You can just donate, you can just sign up for a class. And um, I have found that some of the best coaches and healers um, tend to make it pretty accessible because we want to heal the whole world, right? And so these are definitely things that are within your reach at any level. Um, Ali, I want to give you some airtime as well. Um, tell me a little bit about, I know you've put some posts, if it's, an, if it's a good time to talk, um, out there that have gotten some, some kind of like backlash. Um, what's it been like for you personally? I don't know if my kids are going to just erupt into total anarchy right now or not. <laughs> I'm going to give it a whirl. Um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting and kind of like uh, Anitra, is that the, is that her name? Yeah. So the same thing, um, you know, it was like, it was an opportunity for me to actually like step in and talk about the things that I already felt, you know, and already had seen. Um, and I was, you know, I was sharing, um, you know, from my, my coaches and, um, I was sharing, you know, these really powerful, um, things online and, um, you know, reading the books and, you know, doing the research and sitting with my own BS and, um, so yeah, so, you know, I come off as like this, you know, sweet, nice person, whatever. And then I was like, full force, like, no, this is like the end of the line. Like, this is my line in the sand. Like, this is like real stuff here that we need to talk about, that we need to really move through. Like, look at, look at what's happening. Like, this needs to be seen. It needs to be brought to awareness. Like, that's when things are brought to awareness, we can grow, we can learn, we can expand, we can heal, right? And I had, because I'm in the spiritual industry, and a lot of spiritual leaders, apparently in my own field, didn't want to see that stuff or to talk about it. And they were using their privilege and their spiritual pedestal or whatever they want to call it and to bypass and to not talk about it. And it was just a whole, like it was, I had a post that I shared from my, from actually from my black coach post. I, you know, shared her post and that thing blew up. There was like 300 some odd comments on it. And it was, there was some good, but most of it was like bad. Like you can't judge people like that. You can't be, a, you know, a spiritual coach if you judge like this, like, and all these things. I mean, just like the, I, and it was interesting because you came to this post to judge me on judgment. And I just had to sit there for a minute and kind of like sit in it and, and, and wonder, you know, like, and really understand and kind of like Brenda was saying, you know, is it, um, kind of like showing up just to say I did it, you know? And, um, so I had to really like come back and like sit with a lot of the things, you know, and, and see how I'm really, you know, showing up. And I actually lost a lot of clients. I lost a lot of friends and 
I've been, I've been thinking about it for a couple of months and, um, or about a month or so. And I have to realize that no, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad at all for the things that I posted. I don't feel bad for anything that I said. I don't feel bad for sharing my, my values. I don't, I don't feel bad for sharing my principles. I don't feel bad showing where my threshold is. And I will stand on that line because I, I will not bend. I will not bend for that. And, um, I just had to really realize like, if you are going to just abandon this and you don't want to have this conversation because I, you know, I'm, I'm really like curious. Like I like to have conversations. I like to have really deep conversations. I'm a shadow work practitioner. So I like to get to the root of like what's really going on, you know, and where it stems from and really seeing the deep darkness. Like I'm not afraid to go there. It hurts. It's scary. It's uncomfortable, but that's where the real beauty of growth and transformation comes from. And so if people weren't able to have those conversations or come at it like, okay, well, what is your, you know, viewpoint on this or coming at it as far as like curiosity instead of judgment, you know? So I really had to take in all of those things and I'm kind of like coming back from that now and saying, yeah, you know what? I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. And you can say whatever you want that I was judging or whatever. I still won't bend on my, on what I did. So <laughs> I think what you did was you stood up for what was right, you know, and I think those of us that are speaking out, especially, you know, I, I know you have more diversity than being like just white, but um, those of us that are used to having majority or, or maybe we're people, please, I'll speak for myself. You know, that's where I met my shadow of the people pleasing because I had some of these difficult conversations break out in my group and some of the people in my lives were saying what like a lot of the spiritual people would say that was essentially just like colorblind things and I get that it's all about like unity and we're all one and I believe that but the other dialectic of it is the opposite of like not everybody's having the equal experience and other people are being persecuted and experiencing tragedy and violence like what Brenda was talking about like she's witnessing this firsthand I've seen this for the past 15 years doing all this like healing of sexual trauma and victimization of women. Um, it's, it's ugly to see someone that you care about suffer so much. And I think that that's why the George Floyd video was so powerful. His death, like the visual, like tangible experience to see someone die. Um, and a lot of us, in the majority white people, we can turn our eye to that. So for example, um, universe has been preparing me to do all these lives and it keeps like triggering the shit out of me. So that I will have lots of things to talk about on my lives. Um, but anyway, uh, I saw this and this was going to be kind of my next panel question. What's a resource, a movie, a book that has like changed your life around like anti-racism or social justice or whatever. Um, for me, uh, I actually was just in Charleston maybe a month ago. We were staying downtown. A lot of the riots had happened, not the peaceful protests, but like the actual rioting, you know, where they had, you know, glass was destroyed and all that sort of stuff. And the sort of like business owners were outraged and whatever. And even on the microcosm of where we're getting feedback on these like kind of revolutionary posts, like the revolution is not going to be nice. It's not going to be pretty, you know, and oppression hasn't been pretty. And those of us that are in the majority who get some of this 
back, like that's what oppression feels like, you know, like those little black squares where people muted themselves. That's what it feels like to be silenced. And we just like, you know, got a taste of that for like a day or like a moment when people have to live with this kind of tragedy their whole lives. If they're a person of color or minority or, or someone who's been victimized in this way. So you know, it just like kind of fires me up. And I'm just even thinking back. So I'm in Charleston, I'm in the bookstore and I'm holding the book, The Hate You Give in my hands. And I'm like about to buy it. And then I'm like, oh, I'll just put that back on the shelf. So I watched the movie today and I just like wept. It's an incredible movie if you haven't seen it. Um, and basically it is about a woman. It's her memoir. She is living kind of in an inner city sort of situation. Um, she, her parents get her into like a white kind of elitist boarding school and she's back and forth between the two different communities and she's the eyewitness to a police shooting of her black best friend and then so we've all kind of been witnessing that and I think for white people a lot of times we have the privilege and luxury to like put that book back on the shelf to change the channel to say like oh that doesn't affect me and that's privilege, <laughs> okay? So like those of us that are speaking out, if you're white, like we're just getting the taste of what it's like a little, little tiny minuscule taste of that being silenced or being the aggression or the hostility or whatever. Um, but that movie was so powerful because it showed how it affected the whole community. And I won't spoil it for you because I highly recommend like watching it, but it's like what's happening now but like from the perspective of the people that it's happening to. Um, so like I said, a lot of white people, they get to decide whether they wanna deal with this or not, whether they wanna buy the book or watch the movie or buy the course, right? To do something about it. And you know, the people who are experiencing it, like it's enough just to survive the trauma that's being afflicted on them. So they're fighting for their lives. So the people of us like me, I'm not fighting for my life. We gotta do something about it. Um, so I'll just kind of open it up for like, you know, whoever wants to share like a resource. Brenda, I know you've got an amazing course coming up. I definitely want to highlight that. Um, what's something that kind of like opened your eyes to this that whoever's watching can um, consume that material and kind of, you know, activate all of this stuff within themselves? Yeah, I'll go because I do have to, to jump off here um, in just a moment. But I just want to say to you, Dr. Megan, and everyone who's here involved, this is a great step forward and in movement work you don't need a lot of people but you do need more than one person to help galvanize the the, the message and to take it forward and i would say for anyone who's curious about intersectionality and how movements work definitely check out rachel crenshaw who actually coined the phrase i'll drop some links in the group too of of places and resources to look at, like I said, Alice Walker and the womanist movement and why there's been, you know, many black women who want to divest from feminism. And also I would say, Danielle McGuire wrote an amazing book called uh, The Dark Side of the Street, where she talks about Reese Taylor and some of the other women because Rosa Parks was not the first. She was the perfect victim though. And so even within that, if you're a feminist that should definitely make your blood boil because what is the idea of perfect? So those are kind of like some of the quick, I would say resources or places to research more about movement work and how it happens. And the Children's March, that's a great documentary too that you may want to watch with your kids. So if you have littles, the Children's March is a great one. And it talked about the infancy of the uh, Montgomery bus boycotts 
and the youngest person arrested was two years old. So if you have a little, can you imagine your little being behind bars? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so those are, are, are my um, resources. And yes, I do have a four-week program that starts on Monday for decolonizing your business. So if you are ready to um, go even deeper and we are going to go into our shadow and family pathos and like what were conversations about raising your family and you know what are the stances that you want to take and yes the cruelty that may exist on Facebook because you know you may lose clients and people may take you to task and we also have a guest copywriter coming in um, black woman queer unapologetic that will help you with compassionate copy so that your your content is is moving in a, in a way that is aligning with your your values and refining your mission statement so that again it's blended right into the fabric of your business so but yes having conversations like this and I will definitely send more resources on coalition building of um, the organizations that I belong to locally but they are also steep nationally. So you may be able to research what these organizations look like um, in your own neck of the woods. Yeah, and Brenda, definitely drop the link here in the live, but if you don't mind like going ahead and like posting, you know, some separate posts with some of these things, just so that they make it to the top of the feed and don't get hidden down. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I definitely want to join you on your journey in this program. So everybody sign up and support Brenda and her work because I mean... I'm just thinking all of you and I'm so glad to, to witness the work that you're doing and to, you know, learn from it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Right. Thank you well, so we'll see much. you next time. Yeah. And see you guys next time. For everybody in group, I just want to say like, please join the committee. We've just got like a Facebook messenger. I'll add you. We're just going to kind of continue to do lives, keep the conversation going sharing resources, giving you opportunities for training, opportunities to donate to causes that are super helpful, um, that are like already doing the work and need your money. And it feels so good to donate, like put, you know, put the Starbucks down, like Starbucks ain't open to one, like help these people that are being directly affected by these things. So, uh, others want to share resources or life-changing moments or good books or reads? Uh, I was just thinking also people can read books like I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. These are, you know, books that I might mention are things people may have read already, but anything by Alec Baldwin, Toni Morrison. I mean, there are some incredible authors out there and you read one of those books and you're going to be outraged. You know, it can really help you to be motivated enough to come out of the, you know, shadows and do more also, anything that I have a book, it's too far away. From, uh, the Color of Law is one. I think that's the book that I was thinking of. It's like all, it breaks down systematic racism and racism in um, housing development in our country, in the United States. I mean, I could not get past a paragraph without being just like boiling with rage. Every single paragraph it took me so long to read that because I was too enraged to read more than like two pages at a time. <laughs> But just, you know, some important resources to educate yourself if you don't want to join a group or you don't have time. And like Barhendra said, there are so many organizations that you can link up with and donate. I don't know, just wanted to share that about the few reading. Oh, oh, one other, Malcolm X's autobiography. If you haven't read that, that will, yeah, 
very important to give you actually two perspectives of uh, the struggle. Others? Uh, I want to definitely lean into, thank you, Melanie, for all of that. And of course, Brenda for all the work she does in the book recommendations. But even if you've read the book before, I, especially ones that you, you know, were forced to read in school and in, in, in high school or college, read them again with a whole new lens. Read them again with the now lived experience later in life. Um, because a lot of times, even, you know, how people looked at the world eight weeks ago, two months, two months ago, has drastically shifted. People's eyes are now awake. They're, they're open in a whole new way. There are some who are, you know, definitely not, but those who are, and that's who we're speaking to, that's who, you know, we, we are engaging in these conversations with, even a little bit more open, read them again read the books again, read black authors. There's, there's a lot of different ones. I myself am currently reading how to be an anti-racist. And I think it's great for everybody because it shows how this is the water in which we swim in and how that can look for everyone. Even if you are in the marginalized communities, how we adopt narratives, um, which is key to the work that I do. You know, the stories we tell, where we get them from, and how they play out in our life. Personal self-plug, I'm going to be doing a communication-type workshop, which is going to feed into a coaching program around how to have the difficult conversations while honoring your values and boundaries without dishonoring the humanity of whoever you're speaking to that may not agree with you. So it is definitely around how we take in information, whether it be, you know, conversations online, in person, video, you know, considering that we're doing a lot of this, it's still somewhat in person. We're doing it live in the moment, how we can check our reactions and responses and be able to listen for understanding and not just listen to prove a point, listen to defend, listen to, you know, be right or correct about something that it doesn't have to have that binary because a lot of some of the points in some of these topics is a lot more nuanced than most people realize. And just fixing on a point or a deflection or a wow that makes me uncomfortable without actually being able to feel into that and navigate with the other person or even just within ourselves will keep us from actually finding fixes finding remedies for these issues it's not these are not black and white things they're not things that are gonna you know change overnight and yet we can be moving in a direction that does help them so and that starts with being able to have effective conversations so i will be definitely sharing more information about both the workshop which will be you know a couple hours and then feeding into the program for a deeper dive that's great definitely give us the link if it's ready or when it's ready you know put a post go live like promote that's definitely something it's an edge for me still um but that's something that i want to like normalize is you know, as women business owners, we're like kind of like ashamed to like put our stuff out there, you know, like, and, and it's, 
one is, you know, especially with this panel, like it's all helping healing stuff. Like it's like of the highest service. Um, but I think there's a lot of not wanting to do it wrong. I was just recently on a live where actually I got the dolls right here. Um, my, I bought my daughter these like essentially like they can, they're trans dolls. They can like shift from back from masculine to feminine or whatever. We were just talking about like visibility and representation and everything. And basically at one point she just wanted to kind of say that her best friend at school was a black friend. And I was like, I don't know how to say that because it sounds so like racist. Like, and I was like, uh, uh, and she was like, uh, yeah, my friend looks like this. And you know, I had to like kind of think for a minute because I think so many people are scared to get it wrong. And I can tell you, I keep getting it wrong. Okay. And I'm open about it because I'm not ashamed about it. And I want everybody to learn from it. We got to have these discussions. And so it's very like humbling and we have to get like our ego out of it and just be like, I think that like, like Aliyah was saying with the shadow work, we have to go like, I benefited from the system. Like I got a PhD. I did illegal things and didn't get arrested. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I've benefited personally from this system. Um, and it's scary to look at that because I think of myself as a good person. I'm bleeding hard. I want to like help the world, you know? And so it's just one of those things where there's so many complexities and so many things to deal with and just to normalize. So I will definitely be taking your, <laughs> how to have these conversations. <laughs> because, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. One of the key factors, and this is a foundational piece to, to my work and to just how I show up in the world, is being perfectly imperfect. We are divinely perfect as is, and we are imperfect in words, actions, all the areas, and we all all of us have areas to grow and it is only through imperfect action that we get better and one thing i learned in massage school is practice makes better there is no perfect the perfect is someone's idea at that moment of what perfect looks like as i think brahinda was talking about in regards to um the bus boycott and Rosa Parks, dear Lord. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, in, in the idealized, because it fills a narrative and the idea of perfect really is around a story. So being able to pull apart those stories is also part and parcel of the work, but it is when we're able to, to speak imper imperfectly without the ego getting involved and being able to go, oh, thank you for the feedback and here's how we can do better. One of the key things that is also a th uh, through line for much of the conversation and much needed is the performative, which is not, is, is the looking a certain way, but it usually doesn't last. And that's one of the things that many of us are noticing is a lot of the people who did a thing early on and not maintaining doing the things because again still oh well I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna mess it up just keep doing the things and be okay with getting correction because guess what that is literally what the healing journey is what you know self-development is about what our our industry is is about getting better doing things a little bit less clunky um, allowing ourselves to act imperfectly and get the feedback so we can show up as our best selves and yeah it can feel very embarrassing when it's public and as every time we see it even if we're the 
you know, person being pointed out as, ooh, there's a thing I made a mistake, I messed up. Guess what? We have the opportunity to model how to do it better, how to move through that discomfort. It's one of the um, tools that I, I give my son is when I make a mistake, I say, sorry, thank you, I love you, and then change the behavior. That's the key part is not just the I'm sorry, not just the, you know, please forgive me, you know, that's the Ho'oponopono side of me, you know, the I love you. It's and change the behavior, which means doing more than just the performative. So it's okay to be imperfect as long as you're truly willing to walk through that and, and do something better. Even if that next step is also not perfect, it's your just like a child learning to walk, they're going to take unstable steps, but after a while they feel their muscles, they feel into what that ground feels like under their feet. They learn the motor control. That is all that we are doing when we change any behavior. So sorry about that. No, you're good. That's beautiful. Um, so I, we could talk for a long time and we've already, uh, this group's been together for the past hour and a half. Um, I'm, I really want to recruit other people from the Fearless Feminine Collective. Like we all have a part of this. It doesn't matter who you are, if you're a beginner, um, all the way up to like you're a social justice warrior, anywhere in between. We want to include you in this. So if, if your heart is bleeding, as it should be, should for emphasis, I'm a therapist, I don't usually say should, but you know, like we're all affected by this in our own ways. Even if you don't think you are, you are. So this is your opportunity to step up, step out, you know, make a huge difference in the world, um, you know, and it starts with just little like tiny things. So any just final thoughts or takeaways? I, I sort of like to close groups or discussions sometimes with just like what's one takeaway or like one thing you can do moving forward. Okay. I want to say two things. One is that I didn't mention earlier and I will just share it quickly now but I have started doing Instagram lives on Wednesdays at 11. As I mentioned, I'm a yoga instructor and I have studied in all of the many different, not all, many different um, traditions. So I'm sharing breathing practices. And with all that's going on, all that we're talking about, we can have lots of different emotions that can make us feel anxious, stressed out, depressed, enraged, you know, et cetera, sluggish, you know, overly excited, whatever it is, and it can affect our breathing, which affects our immunity, and we all know COVID is out there. So I decided to share some breathing practices, not only from the yoga tradition, but from other traditions. And it's a half an hour practice with a little bit of meditation in there, and uh, it's free. Instagram Live every Wednesday, 11 a.m., and my Instagram is the only Melanie. You can also see some fun pictures from when I was having fun before lockdown. Um, You're a professional voguer, which was uh, a very cool, like, diverse community in itself. Um, fun, so. fun times. Lots of fun. So I'm, I can't wait to dance again with everybody. But the one thing that I wanted to say that is a takeaway is that I absolutely love this conversation. I love all you ladies that I've met today here, and I can't, I'm so excited about this. But I think a simple takeaway is for us to all have conversation with each other and to be open to somebody having a different opinion, to have a conversation with them anyway, 
not to cut them off or cut them down or make them wrong or make, you know, judge them. I had a friend who supports a different political candidate than I do send me like this message that I thought was crazy. And I just wrote back and I said, Hey, listen, I totally love you. And I don't want this to affect our friendship, but I have a different opinion, but I hear you. And thanks for sharing. If you want to talk sometime, I'm open to that. That actually took a deep breath for me to do that, you know, but I got a positive response and I feel so great that I, I didn't lose a friend. And I know a lot of my friends are cutting people off because they have a different opinion. And what we need now is to come together and find a way to have conversations so that we can all move forward. And that's what we had here today and it's awesome. So I just want to share that and thank you again, Megan, so much and everyone for being here. Well, I want to brag on Melanie. Um, she is a Fearless Feminine Academy graduate and she was, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, was a little bit in hiding. She was doing the work one-on-one. But um, you really not want to show up live anywhere, <laughs> especially not without makeup. <laughs> Understandable. So, I mean, I just cannot, I want to like give you the feedback. I've seen how much you've grown in that way. And I know Manu, who is uh, the Mori healer, who was one of our mentors. When I asked you to join, I just felt like he was in my ear and he wants you to do the work and you, you're doing it. And so that's amazing. We're going to do um, a live later on, maybe next week or whenever it makes sense. Um, to talk about some just one-on-one stuff and breathing practices and everything. But I'm so proud of you. Like you're coming out of the healer closet publicly. <laughs> uh, let me just read real quick. Aaliyah said, it's complete anarchy here. I have to hop off, but it was an absolute joy to meet everyone face-to-face. I'm honored to be with such powerful dynamic souls. So that's her goodbye. And then Anitra, why don't you just like close it out for us? What's your takeaway? Um, um, one, I want to say, Melanie, thank you so much for showing up and you look amazing. You are amazing. And I, I understand the apprehension around, you know, getting comfortable with going live, you know, being seen visible in new ways, especially coming from the industry that you did and how that can, can have its own narratives and stories about, you know, professionalism and 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 how that looks so one I want to honor you for that because everything that you shared you know even before has been really powerful and very um needed and wanted your perspective is valuable so thank you so much for that and Megan everybody for putting this together and and all that we're doing with this I really really want to encourage everyone, even if you're not sure what you can offer, what value you think your voice has, every voice is important. That is exactly what is needed. This is also part of a healing journey for each and every one of us. If you think, well, I don't know because I've made mistakes in the past, then this is the time to step in and go, hey, regardless of what happened prior to now, what can I do in this now moment to change the future? What can I do in this now moment, which could be participating even part-time, even, you know, just popping in where you can, how you can, knowing that we all have, you know, businesses, families, and and life happening. Um, You don't have to commit everything all the time to still be part of a movement forward. Um, Can I do a real quick Ho'oponopono prayer to close this out? Okay, cool. This is the peace of I prayer, and that's P-E-A-C-E, peace of I. Uh, Peace be with you, all my peace, 
the peace that is I, the peace that is I am, the peace for always, now and forever and evermore, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not the world's peace, but only my peace, the peace of I. Wow. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much for that prayer. Oh, so beautiful. Oh, I love hanging out with healers. <laughs> like, it just feels so good. And I think um, certainly the world <laughs> could use a lot of healing. So here we are all to step forward to do our part in it. You know, if you want to be part of this social justice committee, go ahead and send me a DM. I'll add you to the list. We're just kind of getting organized. We're going to figure out what is next as far as like live schedules or meetings. Um, so it is a work in progress, but based on this kickoff event, like, woo, I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you all for, you know, being so beautiful souls and for showing up and for, for doing all the amazing work that you do. So thank you each one of you and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.